Hello and welcome to Series 2 of the Run by Nature podcast. I am the founder and host, Bryna Christmas. Run by Nature is an athleisure clothing brand, creating positive change to people and the planet through an inclusive community. The clothing will be launching soon and I will provide exclusive updates and behind the scenes here. So make sure you have subscribed on your preferred podcast platform. Series two of the podcast focuses on sharing people's stories, brands, businesses and challenges to encourage you to take care of your own home and the home you live on. In today's episode, I am joined by India Pearson, founder of Fin and Flow, a presenter, she paddles ambassador and a lover of the sea and sustainability. In June 2020, India paddled the 28 miles of the Royal Military Canal, raising money for the two-minute beach cleans and encouraging women to get involved with paddle sports whilst providing practical solutions to single-use plastic. You can watch the video of this epic challenge on India's YouTube channel with India. And you can also connect with India on Instagram at with underscore India or at Fin and Flow. Here is episode 11. Hi, India. How are you? Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you so much for joining me for a virtual cup of tea and a biscuit. Yeah, absolutely. Love a cup of tea and a biscuit. (laughs) Me too. Do you have a preferred biscuit? I do. So my biscuit of choice is a jammy dodger. (laughs) Very Mm. British. But yeah, jammy dodger, I just think a bit of jam in the middle just hits the spot. (laughs) It's a good choice. Yeah, I like that. What about you? I really like a cookie, but a particular Marks and Spencer's cookie. Oh, yeah, the M&S ones, they are good. They're the ones with the extra chocolate in and stuff. Yeah, they're really chunky. I don't know what Mm. they do to them. but mm. Probably a lot of butter. (laughs) (laughs) And what about food? You are an active individual. You spend a lot of time on the water, on your paddleboard, doing yoga. Are there any particular types of foods that you enjoy eating? I mean, I love just eating fresh veg. (laughs) Get me as much fresh veg as possible. And uh, in the last year, I've been trying to eat more seasonally, which has been really quite sort of an interesting journey, I guess. I have my own veggie patch in my garden, but also making sure that I'm going out and buying it from local farm shops. So you're limited on the veg that you get, but it means that it's only grown at that time from a local source and it tastes so much better. I'm not vegan, but I love cooking vegan and veggie food and just finding all the different possibilities that you can make from it as well. I I love that, just chucking these veggies in and making sauces from scratch and all of that. And then on the flip side, you know, that's from my very healthy side, I absolutely love a piece of cake. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have to say, I am a, that is my guilty pleasure. A cup of tea and a piece of cake is well, oh, my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Normally, I have a really healthy dinner and then I'll be like, oh, oh have you got any cake? <laughs> have some cake afterwards. Yeah, there's nothing quite like a bit of homemade cake. I think coffee and walnut would have to be my. Oh, yeah, that's favorite. very good fun. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I tried something the other day for the very first time that was a seasonal vegetable. It was called a tomberry. Have you heard of no, tomberry? I've never heard of that. No. The first time I'd come across one, and it's tiny, like the smallest little, almost the size of a cranberry, but a tomato. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. We've been growing quite a lot of tomatoes, actually. They taste so much better than the supermarkets. They really do. It does make a massive difference. And they're fairly easy to grow, aren't they, tomatoes? Yeah, they are. They are, actually. Yeah, we've, we've had a few a few stuff that hasn't worked, <laughs> definitely. But um, no, tomatoes work. Tomatoes and chilies were our, one of our success stories. You were talking before we started recording about how you spent a lot of time on the water, probably more time spent outdoors than inside at the moment if you could plan a perfect day what would that look like oh wow yeah so I'm an early riser I really love love getting up early and like embracing the morning I'm definitely more functional in the morning so it'd be wake up early uh, have a quick cuppa and then take paddleboards out on the sea straight away obviously assuming it's a lovely beautiful calm sea with <laughs> blue skies and then come back home shower and have brunch because I love having brunch I think it's really nice sort of balance Mm. isn't it and then after that it would be to take my dog out for a really lovely long walk maybe back along the sea or I live by the canal as well so I really love that yeah and then coming back home and, and watching a movie or something very simple very very simple but just being outdoors I mean to be fair though if, if it was summer it would then be in the evening probably back out on the beach to cook dinner on the beach we love doing that just watching the sunset sounds like a great mixture of activity and also rest yeah definitely good balance And I saw that your dog featured fairly heavily in your canal trip over the summer. So Merlin no longer lives with me, unfortunately. So he's gone off on on another path. He now lives with a lady with horses because it better suited him and his personality. So sadly, I had to say goodbye to Merlin in summer. But I now have another dog called Tiggy and she's a cockapoo and she's a puppy. She's only three months old, so she's a bit wild. (laughs) But yeah, no, Merlin would come on on the paddleboards with me and he'd come on all our adventures. So hopefully we'll be able to train Tiggy up to do the same. I've seen quite a few dogs that keep their owner's companions on kayaks, paddle boards and various other flotation devices on the water. Yeah, it's amazing, actually. And they have little life jackets on and everything and they become your little buddy. I think they love it because they've got those different smells and stuff that come mm. their way when they're on the water. You've just got to, you know, there's been a few times when we've seen them sort of fall in or something and I get a bit of a rude awakening. But uh, yeah, no, it's great fun. Looking back, what advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Oh, so advice I'd give my 16-year-old self would be to follow my gut more. You learn, don't you, as you get older, but there's been so many times and I look back at my life and I had a gut feeling about something and I didn't go with it because of society's pressures, because of family, other people's opinions, the worry of change when actually change is good, (laughs) you know, all those things. And I feel like I'm in a really amazing place in my life now. And actually, maybe 
everything that I've done has brought me to where I am now. And so I feel very lucky for that. But there are points in my life where I think if you'd really just listened to yourself more and followed your heart and your gut, then maybe you wouldn't have gone through such a negative time for, for so long. For example, I have a type person has a habit of sort of holding on to things for too long and that maybe they don't serve me anymore. So yeah, learning to let go and listening to my gut, I think. Yeah, I was talking to the final guest on series one of the podcast and she was talking about the exact same thing and how as children we forget to do that. Yeah. At some point in our childhood, we switch that off, don't we? And we conform to the school or the society or the family and we start to listen to our head instead of our gut. Absolutely. And particularly women, I think, especially, we really feel like we've conformed to, to be a certain way and to listen to our body clock and all of those sorts of things. And uh, there's an amazing writer called Glennon Doyle. She's American. And she talks about, she has a book that I've recently finished called Untamed. And it's all about listening to your your instincts, your kind of wild instincts as a woman and tapping into those and not feeling the pressure of society and just going with what feels good for you in the rawest sense rather than assuming that you should fit into a a certain box in a certain way. I think women more so than men, I found from friends and family as well that I speak to, it tends to be that way. Yeah, I've literally just finished that and two things really stuck out for me. The the story of the cheetah yes. and then the story she tells about when she goes to see her son and her son's got some friends round and she goes into the room where they're at and she says, would anybody like any food? And the boys just instantly, without turning their heads from watching the television, turn around and say, yes, please. And there's a group of girls sat there and they look at each other don't answer and then they wait for the supposed ringleader of that group to answer on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and these are kids, you know, these are kids and they're already conforming to a certain stereotype, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. But yeah, that's really cool to hear that you've read her book as well. A lot of people that I know that have read the book, it's been a real eye-opener for them as well. Yeah, I would recommend that anybody reads her book because Mm -hmm. it is quite Mm life-changing. Definitely. We were talking earlier about the fact that you are a presenter. You've mm-hmm. recently started a, a new radio show. You have your own company, Fin and Flow, mm-hmm. and you're also an ambassador for British Canoeing. Yeah, yes. I've got a lot of fingers, a lot of pies. <laughs> I'm one of those people that needs to keep busy doing loads of different things all the time. <laughs> Within those different roles, do you have a most cherished failure that has really taught you something? Yeah, well, do you know what? Kind of if you go back before all of where my career has ended up. So I trained as a dancer and that was my sole purpose in life. My mum was a dancer. She, she was my dance teacher. You know, it was all about becoming a dancer and I did 10 classes a week and everything. And I didn't end up getting into dance school. And so I went to university instead still to study dance. But I still went to university, which is very different to going to an actual sort of dance academy. And that, I think, is my kind of most treasured failure in a way, because if I had have gone to dance school, I don't think I would have picked up the social skills that I picked up from university, made the friends that I've made, which were like friends for life, found a passion for working in film and media. And that's where my presenting sides come in. And being creative, making videos and all of that side of things. And then also, which is a bit strange, but falling out of 
my love for dance brought me to yoga. And so if I hadn't have sort of done that, then I might have never found yoga. And then from yoga, it's gone on to all sorts of stuff like my sup yoga teaching, learning sup yoga. I had this passion for paddleboarding and then learning how to surf and then needing to move to the sea. And then, you know, it's all of this sort of knock on effect. So it all comes around full circle. It's led me to a whole new world that I didn't realize. But equally in doing that dance training in the first place made me very resilient as well and you know gave me some incredible friends. That's a really lovely story and at what point did you decide in June 2020 that you were going to paddle the 28 miles of the canal? It was actually earlier that I decided I needed to do it. It was about January I think mm. in 2020 January February I just felt this urge to have a, to do a challenge and before that I had been a big sort of advocate for the two minute beach clean which is a charity that promotes people to do a two little two minute beach clean if they're using the beach and they have these sort of deep beach clean stations and they sort of recommend that you use the equipment and the station to do a two minute beach clean and then put it all back and you've done your good deed of the day. We didn't have a two-minute beach clean station on my local beach. So I wanted to raise money to get one of these stations. And I kind of was feeling like I really needed a challenge. You know, that's just, I don't know what it was to wake up one day and you go, I need a challenge to focus on. I follow a lot of women at Paddleboard and I've seen a few ladies that have done some different challenges. And I thought, well, I live two minutes from the canal, from the Royal Military Canal. You know, it's 28 miles long. Why don't I paddle the whole of it? And pick up litter at the same time to raise awareness and raise money for this two-minute beach clean station. And yes, it happened that way. And then it was meant to happen in April. And then obviously the UK and the rest of the world (laughs) really went into lockdown. So I had to postpone it until June. But then, you know, I managed to do it in in June. And um, I wanted to make a film as well just to continue raising awareness for the problem of litter and sort of show solutions as well to the problem. Also to promote women paddleboarding as well, to give women that visual that they can do it too, because I'm an ambassador for She Paddles. It's an ambassadorship run by British Canoeing to help women get into paddle sports. And so as part of that, I wanted to show that if I could do something like this, then loads of people can as well. I thought that it was quite a profound image because I watched your video, which is available on your YouTube channel within Yeah, yeah. And at the end, you're on the bank, on the grass, and you have all of the litter that you have picked up visually, just to see everything that ended up in the canal is a really powerful message. What do you think are the steps that we can take, those small changes, to try to combat this plastic pollution? I think it's just remembering that we all have a choice. From that point of going to buy your food or picnic or whatever, you have a choice to buy a bottle in plastic or you have a choice to use a reusable one. You know, you have a choice to buy a sandwich wrapped in plastic or you have a choice to make one at home. It's trying to choose right from the start to not use single-use plastic because the less we're using it, the less demand there'll be on the supermarkets for it, and then they'll start making a change. So there's that side. And then on the other side, it is just simply doing that sort of little 
two minute beach clean or woodland clean or whatever, wherever you're out in nature, just spend two minutes picking up some litter and, and just do your bit. And it's so simple. But if we all started to do it, it would make a huge difference because what I find the scariest is the harm that it can do to wildlife and marine life. And I think absolutely awful to think that a plastic bottle or anything that you've used has harmed an innocent creature but by cleaning it up and getting rid of it it just prevents that the first bit of advice would be to try and make sustainable choices as much as possible I know it's not always easy and unfortunately in the supermarkets sadly the cheaper options tend to be wrapped in plastic if you can try and shop local and try and shop without single-use plastic yeah, you mentioned there the potential disastrous effects that it could have on wildlife and the flora and the fauna. And I saw something this week on social media where it was talking about butterflies and bees and how if these become extinct, this is literally going to have devastating effects for our food chain. And Tesco's in, I believe it was Slovenia, opened their stores with completely empty shelves to demonstrate that this is what would happen. Wow, that's amazing. I'll have to have to look that up. Yeah, because mm. that's the thing. I think we're so numb to what's going on. You know, you walk into a supermarket, shops full with food, an abundance of food wrapped in plastic, and we, we don't really understand the process behind that food. And, and I've loved growing my own veg in my garden and trying to, to shop as sustainably as possible because it's really taught me about the process of food and the fact that we shouldn't get red peppers all year round. That just doesn't work like that. Actually, to go with the seasons is better for our bodies as well. Really believe that there's been that disconnect between us and nature and the planet. And we, especially if we live in cities or countries where the wildlife or nature is perhaps limited and we don't get out there and, and see animals and wildlife and nature, then as you say, we can almost have the attitude of out of sight, out of mind. When we connect to nature we want to take care of it absolutely we rescued three ex-commercial chickens over the summer and it's you know an plea to live a little bit more self-aware and everything and I never knew that chickens shouldn't lay eggs over the winter because they need time to rest their bodies need time to rest but we're so used to getting eggs all year round because these chickens are being put under heaters so this fake light which makes them think that it's summer all year round for them and they should be laying eggs the whole time you know chickens can live up to 14 to 16 years old but farms will get rid of them after 18 months this is something we don't know we you know because the supermarkets don't tell us that part that's been another eye-opener for me yeah is realizing if that's the story behind an egg then what about everything else that you're buying it's just very scary yeah and I think this needs to be part of our curriculum at school mm -hmm, definitely yeah I agree so how long have you been stand-up paddle boarding and doing yoga for so I started stand-up paddleboarding about five years ago, I think five, six years ago. I'd just done my yoga teach training out in Thailand and I'd come back and obviously wanted to teach yoga. I was living by the, the sea at this point, so it's really starting to love just getting into water sports, bodyboarding, surfing. And then I saw this photo online of this girl doing yoga on a stand-up paddleboard and I just thought, what? This is my two passions. Oh my goodness, I have to go and try out a class. So. I found a class and I went to it. I just knew from that moment on, I wanted to teach SUP yoga. I felt like I was dancing on water. So it was the most incredible feeling. And it was the most I've ever connected to, to real meditation as well, because 
meditation come in so many different forms and often we sort of associate it with sitting still, closing the eyes and sort of not thinking of anything that way, which can be quite hard sometimes. We lead busy lives, so that can be quite hard. But with stand-up paddleboard yoga, you're focused so much on staying on that board that you don't allow any other thoughts, no other thoughts can come into your mind because you're just focusing on staying on that board the whole time. And then you've got that element of nature around you as well to tap into. And then, you know, that beautiful end ending when you're in Shavasana and your fingertips sort of dipped in the water. It's so, so powerful. And it's so amazing for your body because you are engaging everything to stay on that board. But the first summer that I taught it and it sort of took off really well, I've never had a call like, like that before because I was teaching so much on the water and it was amazing. So yeah, that was the first time that I did sup yoga and then I went off and did my teacher training. And then from there, I got my own board and I started to just love sup in general, you know, from the sea to canals to rivers and meeting friends as well in the sup community has been really, really amazing too. So, so yeah, it sort of developed from there now. And oh, if I sort of go a week without getting out of the water, I, I, I don't feel myself at all. <laughs> Do you think that your background in dance has helped you with both SUP and yoga? Definitely, definitely. I think uh, my background in dance, obviously from a young age, I was learning coordination and balance. So I already had those sort of key skills that are very useful in yoga, you know, flexibility too. That's really helped my practice. And I'm very confident balancing on a paddleboard and going into a headstand and all those sort of things. And I think I take it for granted sometimes that I've had that initial training from a very young age because balance is a learned skill. So it's something that I've been learning since I think my first dance class was about 18 months. So I, I've got it in me, I guess, without realising. And, and when I take people out in the water and they're brand new to sup and then get the the knees start waving Mm. around and stuff it's that reminding myself to take it slow with different people from different backgrounds because the balance can sometimes take a while (laughs) take a while to get there but then you know when you've got it oh it just feels amazing it's like that feeling of riding a bike for the first time and so important particularly elderly individuals we can increase their balance through yoga and or support other activities then that can obviously help them in their daily living as well oh absolutely definitely and also mobility i think we spend so much of our time sat behind a desk and then we'll go out we might walk we might run we might cycle but they're all very linear activities mm-hmm. we're going in the same direction our body's moving a linear fashion but with yoga it creates full mobility in the whole body so you're creating awareness of your body moving in different ways and we're not sort of restricting our movement so I'm always getting people to you know rotate their leg round, get their hips moving shoulders back all these things so don't all become these robots <laughs> where we're just mm-hmm. working in a linear fashion and you recently started Fin and Flow? Yeah, yeah. So Fin and Flow, I started teaching yoga and sup yoga for about five years under Yoga with India. Just a simple name that I'd sort of, you know, decided to put together to start some classes. And then over the years, that's developed with sup yoga. And then I've started doing things like running beach cleans and joining wild swimming groups and all these sorts of things. And it, I just suddenly came to a point this summer where I thought, actually, I think I need to rebrand a little bit. And I had this idea that I had made so many new friends from yoga, paddleboarding, all this sort of stuff. And maybe I could create a hub 
from what I teach that can get other people involved who have similar passions and then form other communities from that. So that's the idea behind Fin and Flow. I offer yoga, sup yoga, community beach cleans. I'm hoping to grow it and do retreats. And, you know, if you follow me, then you'll know that there's always going to be elements of nature and connecting to the ocean and being inspired by nature. And so you'll come to the class probably because you're interested in that as well. And then from that, you'll meet other people who have other interests that's similar to yours to grow a community from that. So that's the idea behind it. And I said my first yoga class that I ran un- under Fin and Flow, it happened and it was such amazing to see. So there's a lady that runs a wild swimming group locally my, on my beach and she came to the class and I was asking her how the group was going. And then the lady next to her on the mat said, oh, you, you run a wild swimming group. I've always wanted to try it. And she said, oh, amazing. Well, come along. These are the details. We meet every Sunday. And watching that connection happen was just amazing because I thought this is why I've started this. It's to inspire others to connect together. And I have a little motto for Fin and Flow, which is start a ripple. And it's that idea of that ripple effect. If you do something like a beach clean, someone else might see you do it and get inspired to do it themselves. Or you bring your friend along to yoga class who's not really interested, but you bring them along anyway. And then they realize this whole new mobility they've got in their body. And then they start taking care of themselves more. And then I believe if you take care of yourself, you'll be more inclined to take care of the planet. And it all kind of comes around full circle. But obviously it's weird times to be launching something because it's very difficult in the UK to be (laughs) running classes and retreats because everything keeps getting locked down. I'm hoping that in 2021, I can start some retreats and, you know, I've been able to continue my classes, running them online and trying to create that connection as much as possible. But hopefully 2021, I'll be able to start a few more community events. That's a really incredible business model. And it's great that the main focus is not just that class itself, but as you say, connecting people to other opportunities and other events. And that lady who you know wanted to try the swimming, perhaps if she hadn't have already met that lady in your class, she might not have felt confident enough to go. But because you've made that initial connection and you feel part of a, a welcomed community it can help to increase that confidence and open up many more opportunities yeah definitely exactly it's just opening that door I guess and connecting like-minded individuals yeah so were there many challenges to starting first of all yoga with India and then changing it over to Finn and Flow With Yoga with India, I started very small. I was teaching gyms, so I didn't have that sort of worry of having to get students myself, particularly as I was in very early days. And then I started teaching in the summer out in the park. I'm lucky enough to live by the sea, so I have a park that looks out to the sea and it's a really amazing view. And it meant that I could run these classes and if nobody turned up, it didn't matter because I wasn't paying any money for a venue. I was just advertising that I was going to be there at six o'clock and it was five pounds for the class and come along if you want to and there's no booking system or anything like that and actually that over the last five years that just has built up and built up and I guess I've got a bit of a name for myself now for being the outdoor yoga girl <laughs> like I sort of go to town a little bit more in summer than the winter with my classes because you can teach outside in the UK in the summer more from that I just built up small and I guess I've been lucky in the sense that teaching yoga has never been my full-time job I don't want it to be my full-time job either because I want to keep my love for it and I want to remain a student in yoga myself. It's a passion for me. It's a hobby that 
it brings me a little bit of extra cash every month. It's more about doing it for the love than anything else. So I've never had that pressure of building a business to make money. And, I, and it's not about that at all. It's building a business to create community for me. Obviously, changing it over to Fin and Flow was quite an easy transition. I guess by then, everybody kind of knew who I was and could see the direction that I was going in. And I was really lucky that I knew a local graphic designer who is called a sustainable designer and you know, a lot of his profits go back to the RNLI and lots of like C charities. And he had this logo available and he said, do you want it for free? And I said, oh my goodness, yes, please. That would be amazing. And it was sort of like seeing that. I was like, yes, okay, I've got to, I've got to make this thing happen. And I'd had the name in my head for a while, Fin and Flow, and no one had taken it. And, you know, there was the, the little username available on Instagram and the website available and it just all came together and I thought yeah this is my time to do it I guess this is the thing it's still not my full-time job and so I can just grow it I can keep it small and I can build it up year by year and if one day it develops into something else that I don't realize then I'll just roll with it but I'm not putting any pressure I'm just enjoying the process you mentioned that 2020 has obviously been quite a challenge in terms of offering classes it isn't your full-time job. You work as a presenter as well. How do you then find time for yourself? Is that a challenge? For me, daily dog walks <laughs> are my saviour. I love them. They're my favourite thing ever. I listen to a podcast and I have to walk my dog. So whether it's raining or wet or snowing or freezing, it doesn't matter. I have to go out and walk my dog. I listen to a podcast and that gives me my me time every day without fail. And then I obviously try and get out in the water at least once a week in the summer, I'll be out every day if I can. I like to get up and go, really. And it means that if I get up and go out in the water, I come back, I shower, and then I'm ready for the day. And I've done that little bit of me time uh, in the morning. Then the relaxing side of things, my brain doesn't function as soon as it gets dark. <laughs> I am a morning person and that's when I'm in work mode and I'm doing everything and then my brain switches off. So I'm quite good at giving myself that balance actually. And if there's ever times when I feel burnt out, I, I really know to switch off. And when I first started working and stuff, early 20s, I, I guess I did burn out a bit and then I realized this isn't for me this isn't life for me and work-life balance is very important to me and I really promote it to my students and everything so if I wasn't living by those values then I wouldn't be a very good teacher promoting it <laughs> got to practice what I preach and within your classes do you find that there is diversity with the people that attend or do they tend to be of a similar age and sex my classes tends to be more women than men I do get men coming which is brilliant but there tends to be more women than men. And then with SUP yoga, it's very female orientated. Mm -hmm. Out of 100 people that might come to the class, I'll have 10 men, maybe. In the SUP community, however, although SUP yoga is very female orientated, in the SUP community, it's more male orientated. But this year, we've seen so many women getting out in the water and it's been amazing. And this is the whole she paddles. Ambassador thing is to promote getting more women out in the water. And actually, the SUP community is great for that. It's very inclusive. Everyone's welcome. And it's the type of thing that anyone can do, no matter their age, their size, their ability. You can get out on a paddleboard. It's not like surfing, which requires a lot of training, a lot of exhaustion, quite high fitness level. SUP's not not like that and that's what I love and the same with yoga you, what I hated about being a dancer was how you had to look a certain way you were never good enough you had to be perfect you wouldn't get a job because of the way you looked or because of your height or it was so exclusive and actually that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with yoga because 
you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for anyone else. And everybody's bodies work in such different ways. So what you can, what you do with yoga is you offer variations on the poses. So it suits everyone. And, you know, you get people come to the classes with different injuries or abilities, ages. I've, what's been lovely actually about teaching my classes on Zoom is that I say it's for the whole household. So you get people and their kids coming and trying it out mm. as well, which is amazing. And kids yoga is a whole, whole new thing as well. I find I have more females coming to my class than males. I don't know whether that's just the nature of yoga because it is seen as being a more feminine activity I don't know but I think actually in the last five ten years has been definitely more men interested in it which has been really good you've talked about your two minute beach cleans you obviously did the royal military 28 mile paddle where you collected plastic and we've talked about some sustainability practices but if you could sum up what sustainability means to you how would you describe that to me, sustainability means longevity. And this is the issue, isn't it, at the moment? Our world is not sustainable. There's not going to be any longevity in the future of the planet if we carry on the way we're going. It's about making choices that impact future generations to come so that communities and species and everything can just keep on thriving keeping this planet fresh and exciting and alive for hundreds of thousands of years to come because there's a danger that it might not. Yeah. Throughout your career as a presenter and indeed as a yoga teacher and now sup yoga instructor or even just out on your paddleboard, have there been certain experiences or opportunities that you found yourself in and you just really didn't expect to happen? As a presenter, I have ended up presenting travel, which I never expected, ever. And actually, it was from presenting these travel videos and going around the world, which kick-started my interest and passion for sustainability, actually. So I just so happened to be living near a holiday firm, quite a large one, and I knew somebody who worked for this company and they said that they were looking for presenters. I'd sort of been dabbling in presenting a little bit, having had a performance background. I tried some stuff out and I quite enjoyed it. I managed to get a job with this company and I'd always loved traveling before that. You know, one of those backpackers, early 20s, get to as many countries as possible. And then from this job, I was going out and I was making these travel videos around the world. They were very much from a sort of tourist perspective, I guess. From that, I then started seeing the damage that tourism was doing to the planet. And it was a real eye-opener for me. I was able then to start sort of changing these videos and looking at it from different points of view and trying to educate the viewers. If they're going to be tourists, then do it in a conscious way and sort of interviewing grassroots movements and, and people that are doing really good things for tourism out in the world. And then that took me on a journey to start living a much more sustainable life myself and thinking about my choices closer to home. That just suddenly escalated that side of things, which I never would have ever imagined, which is amazing, really. And the same, I guess, with yoga. I love yoga and I connected to paddleboarding through yoga because I learned about sup yoga. And then from sup yoga, I, I got into paddleboarding in general, realizing that paddleboarding and my love for sustainability connected, it all comes mm. around full circle. So it is amazing when you look back at your life and you put all the dots together, really. Yeah, you can make that jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
from your time as a travel presenter, do you have a favourite city or country that you visited? Ah, gosh, so many. I love Sri Lanka. I absolutely Mm. love Sri Lanka. I love the culture. I love the food. I love the weather, the surf, the, oh, everything, everything. I'd love to go back one day. Really interesting country. Definitely. If I was to interview you again in five years, what do you think your life would look like? Would it be the same? Would it be different? Is there anything that you would like to have achieved by then? Oh, five years time. I do see Finn and Flo growing. I'd love to start doing retreats with Finn and Flo. I'd love to be able to create a hub where I can host retreats and I own the land and it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a studio on there and there's maybe glamping pods. And so people come there and close to water so we can run up yoga and there's like a, a base for it. Whether it will happen in five years, I don't know. <laughs> but one day, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. And that is, it's sort of just to hopefully be happy and healthy. I think this year, more than anything, we've realised that, haven't we? It's just to remain really, really healthy and, and be kind and look after each other. Yeah, that's truly what is actually important in life, isn't it? Mm. And anything else I think is a bonus. But I would certainly love to come and visit you. I can envisage a really nice garden, vegetable patch and everything homegrown. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we went to a campsite over the summer actually in Cornwall and there was a a veggie patch there and anyone on the campsite could just go and pick their veg and then cook it from their pitch. I was like, that's a really cool idea. I really like that. And is there anything that I should have asked you that perhaps I didn't know you well enough to ask? You didn't ask about my stint at Disneyland. That's always my... uh... (laughs) What weird, oh. wonderful thing of, about you happened, you know. I started my career as a, um, a Snow White at Disneyland, which is always a bit of a bizarre one. <laughs> and how did but, that come um, about? I was just, I went to an audition with a friend of mine after university and I had no intention of going to this audition. She just said, I'll buy you lunch. And then I went to this audition and I got the job and then excuse to spend three months in Paris, four months in Paris, which was amazing. I came back from that and then I was really like, no, do you know what? The performing arts world is not for me. (laughs) Any other hidden talents or party tricks? I don't think I have actually. I'm not not bad at cooking. I have to say that. Not good at baking. My mum and sister have that, but cooking, I, I really love hosting. And But other than that, no, I, th- I think you've got it all from me. Just an incredible Disney princess. Yeah, there, yeah, there we go. That's my, my little hidden story my, from my past. If people would like to find out more about Finn and Flo or tune into your radio station, where can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram. That's kind of where I'm most active on social media with underscore India. And then Finn and Flo is there as well. It's at Finn and Flo and then the website finandflow.co.uk. So yeah, come and... So check me out, say hi, if you've got any questions about paddleboarding or yoga or anything, just let me know and I'm happy to help. And finally, do you have a top tip for the listeners for each of the three areas of people care, self-care and planet care? There's one tip that I think comes into all three of those and it's just to be kind. It's just to be kind to yourself, to others and to the planet. And if with every action you're taking, you ask yourself, is this kind? Then you know, you're, you're probably going in the, in the right direction. Yes, because as you've said throughout this interview, everything really is connected. Definitely, it 100% is. You know, if we're looking after ourselves, we'll be better suited to look after others. And if we're doing that, then we, you know, we're in prime position to look after the planet as well. You know, it all comes around circles. So definitely all connected. 
I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you today. Thank you again. And thanks everybody for listening. I can't wait to see where Finn and Flo goes in the next few years. Thank you. And thanks so much for inviting me on. Really lovely chatting to you today. Thanks. Speak soon. See you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And as India said, let's start a ripple and connect to each other. You can sign up to the Ram by Nature email list at www.rambynature.com. We promise we send encouraging emails only. You can also connect with the Ram by Nature community on Instagram at Ram by Nature, where we have weekly Instagram lives, behind the scenes on starting an athleisure clothing brand, and of course, lots of encouragement to give you the confidence to get outdoors and move your body.